and welcome to the fourth session in the series of HSBC webinars covering cybersecurity and fraud awareness. I'm Martin Pointer from the HSBC Cybersecurity Education and Awareness Team, and I'm also the moderator. We have an action-packed agenda. We're going to cover how your digital footprint develops. We will share some top tips to reduce your risk against cyber threat groups, and we will pause for some questions and answers at the end. So now I'm going to go through the intros. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by our very special guest speaker, Barry Ciel, who is the Director of Training at Intel, Intel Quelled Pro and leads the CyberStars uh, Initiative, which is a program delivered to businesses in over 30 countries uh, in the last four years. Barry is a regular keynote speaker on cyber threat for a number of global banks and law enforcement agencies and is also an ex-military intelligence professional by background uh, with experience in counter-terrorism. I'm also delighted to be joined by our resident expert speaker on all things digital, Mayhor Thanke, who is the regional head of Wholesale Digital, and we'll join Barry a little later for the Q&A session. Barry, I'll hand over to you to take through today's session. Thank you. We are going to discuss how you can increase your resilience to, to an ever-growing threat, uh, not just a financial threat to our organisations, uh, an operational, a regulatory, uh, and often a reputational threat to our businesses. Cybercrime is on the rise. It was a 1.7 trillion US dollar industry last year for those that conducted cyber attacks with over 150 billion US dollars in ransoms paid alone. Cyber attacks are enabled by connectivity in the same way all of the positive aspects of our business growth and development have been enhanced so much by the internet digital capability applications we we often couldn't well we couldn't live without them but they do introduce threats that we are subtly ignoring at times and it is introducing risk to our organizations that could be otherwise avoided so what we are going to discuss today is how do we mitigate some of the most simple attacks as our businesses continue to expand and embrace digital technologies so if you look at technology like a door or a window, a door or a window can be used by your business in two ways. It can be used to reach out and it can be used to look out and engage with the marketplace, expand your business for good purposes. But doors and windows can also be exploited for people to get into your organization in the same way they can this whole. So the analogy I want you to, to think about is for all of the benefits that these new software applications and services do for your organization, are we making sure that our doors and windows are sufficiently secured? Because the more that we grow, the more that we engage with digital technologies, the more doors and windows we have to think about to secure. And that's what we're going to look about today. Where do we, as business owners, as individuals, where do we focus? So how do we reduce that opportunity? Well, we look at the key themes. What are organizations being targeted by? And top of that list, year on year, ransomware. Now, computer viruses, when they were first designed, were designed to be discreet, to be clever, to steal your information and your data. And we got better at protecting it and we got better at encrypting it. So criminals have adapted as they do. And now they don't look to get into our networks and sit there for days, months, weeks, gradually stealing and harvesting data. They come in loud and they come in quickly and they say, we may not be able to steal your data but we are going to stop your key services from running. We're going to stop you accessing your data and providing the services that your customer base rely upon. 
How much are you prepared to pay to get that back? 150 billion US dollars of ransoms paid last year. Ransomware isn't going anywhere until we learn to deal with it. IoT, the Internet of Things. Now, think about how many devices you now have connected in your home between air conditioning, televisions, games consoles. Um, your children alone probably have a dozen devices. At what stage have we ever thought about the security afforded by those devices? And now we are connecting them more to our workplaces. So physical security cameras, printers, coffee machines, fridges. Um, I've seen all sorts of devices. If we network them to the same places we do the systems that are essential for our business, they are doors and windows. They provide insecure ways of people to disrupt our organizations. Data breaches, social engineering, the manipulation of people continues to rise, as do distributed denial of service attacks. So this is where people flood your website and your critical services with so much traffic that you just can't operate. Now, what you'll see is that all of these things are operationally disruptive, and that is the business era that we live in. Cybercrime, cyber threat to business has progressed far further than data theft and information security. It is now a key part of operational disruption for businesses. We will disconnect you from your expectant customer base and we will make you pay to get your services back online. So what we're going to discuss to start with is how we as individuals are exploited. And the social engineering attack cycle begins with information gathering and reconnaissance. So this can be at organizational level. They will identify that your organization is somebody that they want to compromise, somebody that they are interested in. That doesn't mean to say somebody will be sent to monitor your office buildings and watch people come in and out. It means they will use scraping tools to go through those layers of the internet and look for things that can be exploited. That could be unpatched software, that could be open ports, it could be technical information, but more and more that is going to be user names and passwords that are potentially exposed. Once that information has been identified, threat groups will try and use it to establish rapport. That doesn't mean to say they'll invite you out for coffee. It means to say that when they call or send an email, they want you to believe that it's a legitimate business interaction, whether that be a fraudulent invoice, whether that be somebody asking you to review something for business purposes, because they want to exploit you. Once you've executed that link, provided that information, opened that document, you have opened that door or window that we discussed and they are into your organization. And then they look at the damage that they can do. So if we are exposed, what are the risks? Well, there are two risks. The first risk, password stuffing. Now, this is where we are using the same passwords across multiple applications. And when those passwords are exposed, cyber threat groups use technology and automated tools to, to simply try and crack our access codes. Two-factor authentication, so one-time passcodes or biometrics are one solution to that. Um, but the other one is to use password management tools, good, trusted password management tools. A lot of companies still have password policy that only require eight characters. Um, the reality is that people are going to be able to crack those passwords within the day. Most of the time, there are actually criminal groups now offering to crack any eight-character password for $25. So think about what password policies are in place. What applications do we use that have two-factor, multi-factor authentication? Anyone with administrative rights has a minimum of 16 characters. So think about, are we letting people 
make their own decisions because if you do around 70% of people will simply use the passwords they already have exposed in the public domain within your business. That is the risk that we, we present. So password policies are one thing. Now, the other thing to look at is that viruses are user executable, and we'll talk more about that. But creating a culture where people understand that engaging with documents and links is a bit like crossing a road. You would never ever cross a road without looking left and right because you have been taught subconsciously since birth that traffic is dangerous. So even if it's quiet, you look left and right. We don't do that when it comes to executing links and attachments from people that we think may be known or trusted contacts. If we simply take a second to hover over a link or a document and get a true file destination, we mitigate again over 90% of risk. So it's creating not just policy, but culture in that people understand why they have to use password management, have to use two-factor authentication, can't just use the same password for work that they've been using on their Hotmail for the last 10 years. What mechanisms do we have in place? How often are we asking our staff to change their passwords? Are we ensuring that we have multi-factor authentication, second forms of authentication applied across our critical services? If we use third-party service providers, if they're not using those things, then that's a business decision for them. But if we are essentially reliant on their services for our services, then we need to make sure that they're robust enough. Because if passwords, we use a number of third-party training platforms, um, video hosting platforms. And over the last few years, I've had to reach out to a lot and request that multi-factor authentication is applied because we realize the business risk if our accounts are compromised, was that we'd lose critical services. Now, the other thing I can look at, and something that we, we fall into a trap of, is cloud storage. Now, the cloud is excellent, but we need to remember that when we use cloud services, that is a physical server sat somewhere in the world. And the amount of small to medium and large enterprises that I review on a weekly basis that are using cloud storage services that are not adequately secured is on the rise all of the time. Because what's the main thing that we look at when we use third-party services? We look at cost. And we use them because we want to keep our costs down because as organizations, we hold more and more data all of the time. That is costly. But if we're holding that data in a way that is insecure, we need to be able to understand that. So the first, well, one of the things we're looking at is understanding our exposure and that we cannot pass this risk onto somebody else. You may be able to pass the risk of a regulatory fine onto somebody else, but the operational risk of losing services because they don't have adequate password security encryption in place is, is massive. You can have the most secure internet network. You can have some of the best technology um, in terms of your computer systems, your devices, but as soon as you connect something that is insecure to that broader network, your network becomes compromised. So your IT infrastructure, the stuff that you are responsible for, is now far more prevalent than laptops and tablets and even phones. It is anything in your place of work. It could be an internet-connected coffee machine. Anything that you plug in and connect to the internet has to be seen as a door or a window. And it's great to look out and be able to project your business your ideas, your efficiency elsewhere, but think about those people that lurk in the other areas of the internet that want to come in. And the two most common exploits that I see for organizations, the first one being security cameras. 
incredibly powerful devices because they have to send huge amounts of imagery, inherently insecure from a cyber perspective. Most security systems are set up with default password, administrator passwords, admin, admin, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and the like, um, or they don't have any passwords at all. If they are networked where people are scanning, looking for ways into an organization, this is one of the biggest doors you will find. So it's about then understanding what should be networked and on a secure part of your network, what is business critical, and then segmenting that, ensuring that you have the right technology in place to stop equipment that could be exploited. Printers are another one. We all have printers in our offices, probably our homes. How many of you have changed the default Wi-Fi password on your printer from 12345678, which I think is the default for all HP printers? Um, how many of us use Bluetooth or Wi-Fi printing? Probably not many, certainly. But do we disable those features? Again, probably not. So it's thinking about these additional devices that we bring in as our house grows, as our infrastructure increases. Are we securing everything adequately as we move along? Because if we aren't, that's where we're exploited by malware. So we've talked about a number of entries in social engineering, USB, Wi-Fi, Internet of Things compromise. They make up the majority of how businesses are compromised in the first place. Thank you so much, Barry. Wow, that was that was truly insightful. I'm now going to bring in uh, Mayhall Fanky as well, the uh, resident expert on all things uh, digital. Um, first of all, Mayhall, um, we've had a great question uh, in the Q&A section regarding the HSBC fraud and cyber awareness app. So I just wanted to bring you in on this. Um, how, do, how do people download it? And, and do they need to download it on their personal or their business uh, mobile phone? So in terms of the uh, mobile cyber app, uh, in, you know, it's available on Google and Apple stores in all the eight countries that we are present in the Middle East. Uh, you can go to the stores and type for the cyber and for, you know cyber awareness and fraud app. You can type there and you'll find it. In terms of your specific question around personal or official device, uh, remember, this app is meant for everybody, including in individuals who are not customers of HSBC. So with very basic information such as, you know, uh, are you a customer and which country are you from? You do not need to provide any other information. You can download the app either on your personal or on your business phone, whatever works for you. Uh, remember, you know, this uh, we, we continue to post, uh, you know, content uh, in terms of, you know, uh, you know uh, the, the latest trends, talking about, you know, what's happening in the market uh, and to keep you keep everything everybody informed so you know please do subscribe and keep the notifications on uh, for this particular app thanks Martin thank you so much Mayhill so Barry we've got some really interesting questions that are starting to come in um, so somebody asks what is the advisable time frame to change personal emails banking and other passwords good question now passwords some of the advice at the moment is as long as we have multi-factor authentication in place that we don't need to change our passwords unless they become exposed. Lots of good password management software out there. Always use a rated and approved password management software from an app store, obviously. But mine is set to automatically change my passwords every four weeks, and it manages that for me. I then change the passcode to my password manager probably every two to three months. Just a shout out to, to Barry. The session is very informative. Um, and then this person goes on to ask, can I trust the web browsers to save my passwords for frequently visited sites? The quick and easy answer to that one is no. Encrypt password managers will hold your passwords in a safe and encrypted fashion. 
your web browsers and even on your phone when it says Safari would like to remember this password. They're nowhere near as encrypted. I can show you a hundred exploits and viruses that are available that are specifically designed to rip all of those passwords out of your web browser when you're connected to certain Wi-Fi's or in public places. So no, the answer would be whilst it's convenient and we often choose convenience over security, um, you're far better using an encrypted password management application and allowing the browser to store your passwords. Thank you so much, Barry. Um, so to those of you that joined, thank you. To Barry and Mayhall, our guest speakers, thank you so much. And why not share this webinar series with your, your friends, your colleagues, uh, and also your customers as well. I'm sure they could find this beneficial. Thank you all.